0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Pat Moriarty Show, episode number nine. Uh very exciting episode today. We have our first ever guest on the show, Jeff Seckendorf. He is a cyclist who is training to set the world record for a one hour bike ride around a track uh for the seventies division, so people in their seventies. Very cool, super nice guy. Um, he formed a organization called the InstituteofPurpose.org. Go check it out. Helps people uh, in their older generations with more time and money on their hands to find purpose in life, which I think is a very cool mission and uh, something that I fully support. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview I had with Jeff Segendorf and go follow him on Instagram and facebook and all that good stuff so thanks everybody sounds good um so i wanted to kick it off with uh sort of if you could just introduce um i guess what you're doing with um your your sort of ventures into the uh trying to break a record for for your bike uh biking journey i guess
1: yeah so i um I'm chasing an hour record now uh on the track on a bike. I've been racing you know consistently for i don't know about fifteen or twenty years, just not that long in the scheme of things so um, through triathlons, then on my sixtieth birthday, I decided to quit running, and that was a really good idea so I stopped running uninjured unhurt, unfettered and uh Went to totally focus on the bike, got very wrapped up in the track and raced on uh, race pursuits and team pursuits for a little while. And then one day I thought, let's do something longer on the track than two and a half minutes. And this bike ride, this hour record just got really interesting to me. It's, you know, it's been going on since the 1800s. It's, It's just a fascinating thing. And it's an almost impossible event. It's almost like an hour-long, I don't want to call it an hour-long sprint, but it's like an hour-long threshold. So I don't know if there's anything tougher on a bike than the hour record. Yeah. So I thought, if you're going to do it, you know, go big or go home, right?
0: I like it. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Um, I sort of, what interests me about sort of any sort of like human uh, endurance, um, attempt is just sort of the mindset that goes along with it. Um, and sort of, um, I want to sort of hear your take on what you've noticed. You said you started off at two and a half minutes. I'm sure when you just started doing two and a half minutes, it felt like that was the maximum of your human potential. And now you've already extended that out to what you're training for is an hour. Um, and so it's just so interesting and I I found something sort of like similar with surfing where I initially started surfing only three years ago. And you look at like these massive waves that people are surfing, and you think, no way, that's impossible. That'll never happen. But as you sort of gradually, you don't really notice it in the moment, just gradually sort of push into the uncharted territories. And all of a sudden, um, you can like find yourself amongst, you know, others. And amongst a, a record in, in, in your, uh, in your case that you thought was originally not possible. Um, so I just want to hear like, have, how has that like. Uh, I guess like the process of training for it, how has that sort of like shaped your
1: mindset? You know, Pat, that's a really, really good question. And for me, there's two answers to it. Um, I have an amazing coach. And so one of the answers is he knows how to do this. He's taken other people to our records. If I just do what he says, I'll be successful. That's the beauty of structured training. So, he puts workouts in, I do the workouts, I get stronger, I get faster. So that's the cheap answer. The real answer is, this thing is a mental game, 80%. You know, there's a physical component to it, right? I need to have the fitness and I need to have the science and the aerodynamics and all that. But really, what I'm learning now more than ever, because I, did I didn't come up as a professional cyclist or a professional athlete. You know, I'm a masters athlete. I, I started competing, you know, late. And it's all about not quitting. The whole thing to me is about not quitting. And this is what this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm learning from it. And you know, when I started this process, if if a workout was hard, I would just stop. And now, if a workout's hard, I don't stop. I mean, I'll fall off the bike before I quit one. And, and I think that's really been the difference is that now I can advance my ability to ride a bike mentally, advance my ability to live my life mentally, and, and apply everything I'm learning on the bike, both the structure training part where I just say, yeah, there's, yes, Ben, there's a workout, I'll do it, to the Let's take all of the mental stuff that I'm learning, apply it to my life, and then reapply it to the bike. So it's this big circle about just getting better as a human being, better as an athlete. Um, Yeah, just better as a person, I think.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, so many overlaps, I think, between sort of what you're doing uh, with the cycling and what I've learned from surfing, as far as the overlap between what you learn in the water and then how you can apply that to your life. Um, so it's like, you just learn sort of that you can push yourself so much farther than you initially thought. And then when you apply that to your real life and sort of, for me, it's like, it's manifested itself in like this newfound, like confidence of like, I can actually sort of go out into the world and do things that I initially seemed thought were just impossible. But when you just continually apply yourself and sort of stay consistent and just do the actual thing, um, it's really not, it's not as hard as we make it in our minds um and so that's like just sort of sort of cool to see um and i wanted to ask you i noticed um one of your other missions is uh helping people around your age find purpose in life um i forget what the the name of the website was i was on but it was really really cool to see um i think it was generation older and wiser um and yeah, helping, yeah and helping <laughs> yeah. those people uh find um a purpose in life and Sort of if you could just talk a little bit about what your mission is there. I, I found that uh, very,
1: very cool. Yeah, so a long time ago I was working on another project and you know, there's, I'm a, supposed to be a baby boomer. Before me was the silent generation and then there's Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen whatever. But, but I hated baby boomer. I hated the idea that there are a bunch of old people being called silent. So we kind of reframe that whole group of people as Gen O.W for a generation older, wiser. So that started it and then a friend of mine uh, came up to me one day and he said, I've got this name for this project but I don't know what the project is and he told me it was the Institute of Purpose and I just thought that was the coolest name. And it, so, you know, it's kind of like you name the band but you don't have a drummer yet. <laughs> you know, So we had the band. We had the name, you know, we had the skills to build a website and all this other stuff and, you know, I came out of the film industry so we had filmmaking skills, all that. We just didn't know what we were. We didn't know if we were playing rock and roll, blues, reggae or, you know, Zydeco. We had no idea. And so slowly we just took this website and it went through about six or eight iterations to figure out what it was. What is the institute or purpose? And what we've come down to is it's just a very simple place where people can go and they can hear other people talk about why they wake up in the morning. What do they do? What, what's their purpose? And so, we started collecting up these short bits of content and I made some longer, you know, 8-10 minute movies about different things. What we found was when we look at the whole collection, and, and I assume you've seen a couple of these, Pat, is that they're all the same. All these little videos where we've asked completely disparate people, what's your purpose? They're all the same. Everybody's purpose, at least in my world of circle of friends, is in some way, shape, or form to help other people. And And I just thought that was fascinating to see. And to see that develop, and to see it turn into this collection of work, and and to be able to point people there and say, "Doesn't matter what your purpose is, everybody else I know is on Earth to help other people." And so, we just keep adding little bits and pieces of content to this. We point people toward it, but you know, I think it's a really good thing. I think it's just a way to like say, "Let's just help somebody," and you you don't have to influence a million people to have purpose in life, you know, one is good, two is good, you know, a million is distracting.
0: Totally, totally. And when you think about the the rippling effect that you have, you know, you say helping one to two people, but let's say you help those one to two people get out from a state that isn't so good into a better state, those one to two people go out and help their one to two people and their one to two people... And you have this exponential effect of of good on the world essentially just from from helping in in very small um, in in a small way. Um, one of the things that um I've been trying to read a lot since I've been here doing this um in Indonesian sort of just had a lot of free time when I'm not um not in the water essentially. And one of the things I've been reading is uh, Buddhist readings, and that's a sort of a core principle is the exponential nature of all of our actions and they can go positively as well as negatively. So if you have, if you are able to make a small beneficial impact on the world and sort of start generating positive karma both internally and then amongst other people, initially it may seem like something that is so small that it's insignificant, um, but sort of when you apply this exponential mindset to whatever you're doing, um, the the aggregate effect of of that can just be immense um and so that's something that I've been trying to keep in mind and sort of it, it makes things much easier much easier to tackle when you're trying to say uh you know achieve something high like in my uh position it's I'm trying to be a professional surfer after only surfing for three years so it initially it seems like this like insanely high goal however if I just look at it as get a percentage better each and every day, you start to see this, this exponential effect happen both, uh, or in, you know, when I apply that to surfing, it's like in the the skill of surfing, but then when we apply it to life and just sort of like trying to be a better person and create a better, um, like way forward for humanity, you, you realize that like just these small actions can really make a big difference. And it sounds cliche, but the more I think I've gotten like a little bit, older it's like become more like real um in a sense and um i think it's super important too when we talk about like finding meaning um nietzsche has a quote a man who has who has a why can bear almost anyhow and i think for a lot of people today um we sort of are stuck in this uh like almost like nihilistic uh like philosophy of our culture and 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 things, I think, can get very meaningless. And so helping people find that meaning and then through meaning, you can sort of affect other people. That's something that I've noticed in my brief time sort of doing what I'm doing. Um, And yeah, that's sort of just like, yeah, Yeah. so
1: there, there's a thing that, um, You know, mountain climbers say, you know, when you ask them why you climb a mountain and the answer is, well, because it's there. Mm. And and I think that's a terrible way to look at something because it cuts off all of the things you just talked about. It cuts off all of the ability to influence other people to reach beyond their limit. And that Mm. limit doesn't have to just be internal and personal. It can be a limit that takes you outside yourself and it does this influence on other people. So... You know, I know a lot of of screenwriters having come out of the the film business and, you know, again, there are writers who think the best part of writing is having written. But having written takes about three seconds, right? You get the file, you push send, you're done. It discounts the one, two, five, ten years it took to write the screenplay, write the novel, write the book. And if all you care about is having written, you you, you know, you lose all of the joy of life. You lose all the things that make it fun, you know. For writing, it should be joyful to sit down in front of a, a, I was going to say a typewriter, but probably more like not, um, and start getting your words on paper. You know, for me, it's joyful to train on the bike, even though it's hard. Obviously, for you, it's joyful to surf, even though it can be hard, especially at the level you're chasing. So, you know, all of this is about where do you position yourself with some level of purpose that allows you to achieve goals for yourself that influence other people? I think that's the whole deal.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's like, so for me personally, I, I used to work at a bank for about two years, And it wasn't, and we talk about sort of falling in love with the process, enjoying the process. Um, For the the culture there was so like, in the sort of environment of the employees was so oriented on the result and sort of oriented on the year end bonus. And so like, we essentially will go through this period of suck, not enjoy it, but then March comes around, we'll get our bonus and we'll be happy. And that's just like the most reverse way to live a life you could possibly sort of fathom because it's like that you know material benefit you'll get at the end of the year that'll be however many thousands of dollars will make you feel good for about 30 seconds if that and (laughs) and and then you're and then the the process which is 99 percent of life and 99 percent of any pursuit is unfulfilling and unenjoyable and so it's like that it just, it makes things like so backwards, but it's so weird that when I was in that environment, it was, that was normal. And that was what, it was almost like, that's just what everyone does. And like, that's what you should do. And so like, for me, I'm going through this process of figuring that out where I've almost been in, I've been in school my whole life. And the, the whole thing has been go through fourth grade, do do it well, so that you'll be ready for fifth grade. And then you, you, you sort of climb that ladder all the way till you graduate and then it's like go do what you want to do but you've actually never thought about that in school you've never thought about what i wanted to do you've thought about what everyone else has told me to do and what everyone else thinks i should do and i've just been sort of climbing that ladder and um it's just so like mind-blowing to me that like the amount of autonomy we have that we don't necessarily realize um and i don't know if you can comment on that And i mean you said you used to work in in uh, screenwriting and it seems like you've always been more on the creative side, more like pursuing what you want to do. So maybe if you could give some advice as to like how to pursue what you want to do and sort of how to find what you want to do and how how you've sort of um, done that in your life.
1: Yeah. So I came out of the film industry and I was a child photographer and I parlayed that into a career as a director of photography on movies and a director cameraman on commercials. And I did like, I don't know, like a thousand commercials and a ton of movies and things like that. My full-time job in the film industry, though, was looking for work. And my part-time job was working. And that's what was driving me crazy, right? Because it was so consuming to find a job. And, you know, for what I did in the film business, there was only one per movie. There's only one director of photography. There's only one director. Unlike in the trades where there are Six grips, eight grips, you know, six electricians and so on. So it it became this, this really tough thing to be working not on the work. If I could have just made movies all day long, I would have been super happy. But I didn't. I looked for work all day long. And so, you know, I had one producing partner who said to me once that she thought I spent 15 years getting into the film industry and then 15 years trying to get out. And the way out was to be receptive to say yes to whatever looked like it was going to be good. And so for me, somebody walked up to me and said, hey, I think I'm going to start a scuba certification and training agency. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like fun. I'll help. And that was in 2008, and I still run that company every day. You know, it's it's UTD Scuba Diving. We're, you know, global's scuba training agency this is and i left this film industry this uh, with this lack of security freelance craziness to do a startup that's still running and so i think to answer your question which seems like you asked me about 15 minutes ago the to me it's like you know when the universe throws something at you be able to say yes you know be able to look around at opportunities and say yes and just try stuff and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. I mean lots of stuff doesn't work, you hear that all the time, you know, millionaires who went broke and became a millionaire and went broke and became a millionaire. It's one way to look at it. If you look at it on a scale that most normal people can do, you have a job, you try something else, you do this, you, try you just try stuff until you find the one that clicks and it really is true that if you do what you love, the money will follow. So I think that's the key. Say yes, don't worry about the money or set yourself up so you don't have to worry about the money and know that it'll follow so you can continue to say yes and try new stuff, which is how the Institute of Purpose came along. I had a little gap, some time to work on something and we just ran with it. So that's kind yeah. of my answer to that. Just say yes. Awesome. Awesome. I think I think
0: that's so cool. Um, so, and something that's, yeah, I think so interesting about um the film industry i mean you talk about how it used to be set up and how like uh democratized it's become i think with social media and how essentially the technology to make any sort of entertainment short form entertainment whatever you want to call it um you can do with a budget now of like a thousand bucks you buy a gopro you buy an iphone and all of a sudden you can record yourself put it online and if you're funny and charismatic and can sort of make something compelling, then the whole world can see it. As opposed to, you know, when you when you were coming up, where it was these like walled gardens of you have to go around. Like you're saying, you, that pursuing getting work was your full time job. So trying to meet the right people, make good impressions, and whatnot, and trying to like sort of fight your way into into the industry. And Now it seems like way more uh, democratized and like meritocracy. There's a meritocracy in it where it's like everyone has the ability to um, sort of go out and, like, share with the world what they're doing. And I think as far yes, as... Like... Yes, yes,
1: but, but story is still king. So, you know, you can do that, and, and we see a ton of it, but how much of it is worth watching? Yeah. That's the question. I mean, a good story, an interesting story that moves you and gives you, you know, the ability to be introspective, that's still king. Yeah. So I think the idea that you know we can take our cell phones and we can make thousand dollar movies, great, but does anybody care? Yeah. You know that's yeah. my question about that.
0: Totally. Totally. And uh, yeah, I mean it's about I, I guess capturing attention is just related to how
1: how well you tell the story. Um, well, you know, I'm trying to get sponsors for the for the bike ride. Mm Because it's expensive and I can't spend my retirement on this. So, you know, every time I go after another company that I like and so on, Mm -hmm. you know, the first question back is, how deep is your social media reach? Yeah. And my social media reach is not very deep. And it's like, well, thank you anyway. So, you know, I'm self-financing the bike ride because I don't have a million followers. And nor do I want a million followers you know, I'm happier to do it myself. And, you know, if when I set this record, and I tell 600 people, that'll be enough. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. So I mean, in that sense, we're in the same situation, because I'm trying to get sponsored as well. And I don't have a million followers or anything like that. So we're actually, yeah, de- definitely in the same situation in that sense. Um, so hopefully this podcast, uh, everyone, do you have Instagram, <laughs> Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh,
1: no, okay. no Instagram, no Twitter, a little bit of Facebook, but
0: no. okay, got you. Um, well, everyone should go follow Jeff Seckendorf on
1: Facebook, uh, <laughs> which sounds so 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I may and, actually uh, have to do something on Instagram, I just don't want to
0: yeah i would say if you're i would say definitely get on instagram i think that's like as far as like what sponsors are looking for um it's just it has so much reach um especially with uh like reels now which is like the short form content um and as someone with a creative background and you know uh been in the film industry i think you'd you'd crush it on there Uh, no joke no joke so uh I'd say that would be uh, my one piece of advice
1: <laughs> if I'm in a position well, to give advice. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll I'll take it. I just have to find someone to guide me. Gotcha. Well,
0: I'm I'm here if you need me. You have my. You can contact me. I'll help you out with with setting up Instagram. Oh well, maybe uh-huh. we'll do that.
1: So maybe yeah. that's why we're doing the podcast. Perhaps, perhaps. You because know? yeah. I'm sure there's another there's another side to that. You know, where I can help you with something a hundred percent yeah no we should uh yeah. definitely stay in touch for sure all right so everybody heard it here first <laughs> oh yeah you know this, this is new this is what podcasts can do for you right a hundred relationships new direction all of it it's cool totally totally awesome
0: well jeff thank you for joining today um everyone and how should people who are listening go and uh I guess support your support follow slash support. What's the best way for them to follow or support? I guess
1: um, through the right now the instituteofpurpose.org dot org is uh, is kind of the the landing for what I'm doing right now is a and there's contact information on there. I'm set up as a speaker. There's a little speaker's bureau in there so you can do that. Um, and you know I see all the email that comes through that. And then um, you can come back to um, to Pat's website and in about four months i'll have a million followers on instagram
0: <laughs> easy as that
1: <laughs> that's how it takes right yeah that's all it takes <laughs> yeah Perfect. so institute of purpose.org.
0: all right sounds good um everyone go check that out jeff thank you so much for joining and we'll so we'll stay in touch i'll help you uh get going with instagram and soon you'll be uh far more famous than all of us mortals so
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But thanks, Pat. I really appreciate the the opportunity.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on.
1: All right. See you now. See ya.